Hello, everyone, and welcome into the GPS show along with Scott Pirak. I am Gabe Gottesman here, as always, on our first show after we know the matchup of Super Bowl 55. We've been waiting all year for it since week one. We did our first show, and now we are here ready for Super Bowl 55 between the Tampa Bay Buccaneers with Tom Brady and the reigning Super Bowl champion, Kansas City Chiefs. So we've got a lot to discuss throughout these next two weeks before uh, the official Super Bowl matchup. But of course, Scott, before we look ahead to the next game, we got to really go over these last two um, games before the Super Bowl, the AFC and NFC championships. They're both very exciting. Uh, Scott, just give me your general thoughts about uh, this Sunday, you know, this Sunday's matchups and, um, and how you, how you, uh, how you like the games. You know, I thought, I definitely thought the Bills Chiefs game was going to be closer. I think that we kind of saw Josh Allen's inexperience really come to play. I think that's one of the main things. And we saw, um, this is crazy to say, but the Chiefs actually have the most playoff experience, even though Tom Brady's been to the playoffs so many times. It's just that the most of the Buccaneers roster has not been to the playoffs. Um, and I think that experience really showed. And obviously, Chiefs started off slow, which we've seen throughout this whole year, but then they scored 21 unanswered. And that's what we've come to expect from them. Right. I mean, the Chiefs are just an incredible team. Obviously, it's very exciting to see them for one more game in this 2020 season. Uh, a reminder, you can listen to our shows, uh, all of them that are recorded on Tuesdays and Fridays from 5 to 6 p.m. on Spotify. Um, this is our first show back from our special Sunday edition, uh, Sunday morning right before the games. We want to uh, kind of give a preview for the game. So, Scott, um, let's get right into it. First thing I want to say um, is – most of the discussion right now in the media is surrounding the Buccaneers-Packers game, not just because it was a closer game, but also uh, watching Tom Brady go into Lambeau and take down the number one seed. And Aaron Rodgers was an impressive feat, obviously, for anyone, but especially when it's the, the greatest of all time. Uh, it, it, it really is kind of a, uh, a radio show's dream, the Super Bowl, that we're going to have arguably the two biggest names in the entire NFL, maybe in all of sports that are um, going head-to-head. -head. So it's going to be big ratings. It's going to be very exciting. But, Scott, let's just get um, right into this first game. It was 31-26. The Buccaneers go on the road. They had um, a 21-10 lead at halftime off of um, a, a late pass to Scotty Miller from Tom Brady on the last play of the game, uh, or on the last play of the first half, I should say. Uh, and the, the Packers kind of closed, um, closed the gap a little bit, but then um, the Buccaneers were able to prevail 31-26. And the main discussion from this game, Scott, was the decision by Matt LaFleur to kick a field goal down eight when they had it fourth and goal from the eight-yard line. Instead of going for it, trying to score a touchdown and get a two-point conversion, they kicked the field goal to go down five, and they kicked it away hoping to get a stop, so then they would just need a touchdown to win the game instead of needing a touchdown and two-point conversion to tie it. Uh, did you like the decision? I'm curious to hear your thoughts on it because I've been listening around, and there's, a, there's pretty mixed opinions and I'm surprised about the response LaFleur has gotten from it. I mean, this is always a hard one because if they kicked the field goal and then ended up scoring a touchdown, they, Matt LaFleur would have been looked at as almost the coach of the year or where if they went for it and then didn't get it and then they got the ball back and scored again, people would say should have kicked the field goal. So it's kind of like I like to put this in the Pete Carroll situation, I call it, where when they passed down the one-yard line, which is, one of the most infamous plays in NFL history, I think, at this point, where if they got it, it would have been one of his greatest play calls. It didn't work. 
it's one of his worst play calls. So I think with the time they had, I, I would have gone for it just knowing that the Packers defense is near the end and rushing defense and knowing that the um, Tampa Bay Buccaneers are going to have to run out the clock. I think you put your the faith of your team into Aaron Rodgers, who's your MVP and the best receiver in the NFL with Devon Adams, who already scored a touchdown in that game. Um, but I think it's definitely one of those where there was no clear, correct answer. Yeah, I, a lot of most people have been saying it was the wrong call, of course. Hindsight 2020, you're going to say, oh, they should have gone for it. There's no way they were going to stop them. But in my opinion, it was actually the correct call from it gave them a shot. Packers. I think because that's what you have to look at. People are forgetting this is fourth and goal from the eight yard line is not like, oh, like you have the MVP. Just go see what he can take. Fourth and goal from the eight against 11 defenders. You're packed in. You don't have a lot of room for your receivers to run in the back of the end zone. We saw on the third and goal, Aaron Rodgers easily could have run it at least, I think, I don't even know who made this. I think it was Max Kellerman that made that made the point that if on third and goal, Aaron Rodgers ran it, even if he didn't get it into the end zone, they probably would have been on the one or two yard line and they could have gone for it, obviously, in that case. But you saw try to fit it into Devontae Adams. There was three guys surrounding him. So it's not like fourth and goal from the eight yard line, you probably have like a 10 or 20% chance of making that. I I totally agree with the call because of that. I don't think that people are almost forgetting like, oh, you have the MVP on your team. You got to go for it. You got to put it in his hands. But it's very difficult. We saw them go for three plays already and they didn't get anything because red zone defense, um, even though the Packers are great, was not, um, is not, it's harder to play red zone offense, especially on a fourth and goal when the defense knows you have to get all the way in the end zone. You could drop more guys back. So I didn't think it was the wrong call at all. I want to know your opinion. Uh, say mine second. If you had to put this game on one person, who would it be? Would it be Kevin King? Would it be Matt LaFleur? Would it be Aaron Rodgers? Would it be Aaron Jones for two fumbles, one of them? I'm blaming Scotty Miller's parents because without Scotty Miller, that second half touchdown or that late first half touchdown, I mean, that, that was a huge That was play. a difference. That yeah. was to go up um, two scores before the half. So obviously Kevin King, I hate blaming it on a – people love in, on the internet to be like, oh, one cornerback. Well – he had like a couple of bad plays. I mean, he I did mean, give up two I, I would blame it on Aaron Rodgers in all honesty. Because I think I too. the defense, you cannot blame it on the defense. They had three interceptions in the second half. They gave Aaron Rodgers the opportunity and he um he just could not capitalize. Uh, he think, had yeah. adding on to that. I mean, the Packers scored to make it 28-23 with about 750 left in the third quarter. And then the game was really up for grabs. Um, Tom Brady threw an interception and what does Aaron Rodgers do three plays for negative five yards Tom Brady throws another interception on the very next drive what does Aaron Rodgers do three plays zero yards so two three and outs on maybe the biggest two drives of the game and that brought you to the fourth quarter so those two possessions they score even a field goal on one the whole outcome of this game could have been different exactly I mean you give Aaron Rodgers uh, a lot of time and midway through the third quarter they were only down one score they had a chance um, to come back they didn't score um, they didn't have besides that one touchdown after the first interception they had no points after those second two interceptions they couldn't capitalize at the end they got the ball back uh, 
multiple times. And they were really, Aaron Rodgers should feel lucky in his, this was a huge game for him going against Tom Brady. Obviously this was his second NFC championship in a row, but for his legacy going head to head against Tom Brady at home in Lambeau, you're lucky that your defense gave you a chance uh, in the fourth quarter against Brady, the most clutch player in all of sports history to give you three opportunities to go uh, and win the game for your team. And he couldn't do it. So I think that that's where the blame ultimately comes down to. He's making a lot of money, so he's not going to have a bunch of talent around him. Luckily, he's he's got Devontae Adams. He has Aaron Jones. So ultimately, it's going to fall on the quarterback. I was a little bit upset with Aaron Rodgers not wanting to take the blame. Really, in his post-game interview, he was just really deflecting towards Matt LaFleur. I don't know how they're going to be able to heal that relationship because he was saying, it wasn't my call. I, if I would have known that we, were gonna, we weren't going to go for it, maybe I would have run it. I, he was just not taking any of the blame. Could you imagine Russell Wilson saying, oh, I didn't know. He, he would never do something like that. I'm not saying that they're the same person. I'm not saying Russell Wilson's better. But I, I, just... I do think it's hard because I do think, I mean, the Packers have a very, I mean, when I was watching the game, the first thing whenever they enter the red zone that you watch is Devontae Adams. You don't look at Aaron Jones or A.J. Dillon or these big backs that can get these two-yard carries, you look, when it's third and one on the one-yard line, you're looking at Devontae Adams. And that was clear. There was two times they were both in the red zone, and he only looked for Devontae Adams, and they kicked field goals. Now, Devontae Adams did score a touchdown, which I guess you could say was expected when he's already scored 18 touchdowns this year. But I do think this was really not the best Rodgers performance we had seen even though he did spread the wealth, Marcus Valdez scamming, for example, at 115 yards. All right. So uh, obviously there's a lot to talk about with the Packers Buccaneers game. We can um, re, uh, re go, we can go back to that many shows later. Of course, obviously um, the legacy of Tom Brady versus the legacy of Aaron Rodgers. Maybe Aaron Rodgers might even not, might not even be in a Packers uniform next year. I doubt that will happen, but he kind of alluded he, he to it. contract. He asked for a contract extension. So I think he, I don't think that should be a, a question. He should stay with the Packers. They've been 13 and three the past two years. There's no reason why he shouldn't just stay with the Packers. Okay. So moving along, obviously that was the early game. Very exciting. Then the second game, probably a little bit less, a uh, little bit less ratings, a little bit uh, less headlines because not only because of, just the score, but also you had the two big quarterbacks, like I said, with Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers. But Scott, this was still a very exciting game, hyped up, two young quarterbacks, which one could take the next step. Um, and of course, Patrick Mahomes, like everyone's always been saying since the beginning of the year, it's almost like I would say about the week, you know, 12 or 13 mark when the Chiefs started winning those games by one or two possession, by like one possession only. They went on that streak for a little while. People kind of got tired of saying the Chiefs are going to win the Super Bowl. And almost like the media started to make up like why the Chiefs weren't going to do it. In reality, I think people started getting bored of talking about them. They need some other teams to get to, you know, to get the headlines. So that's why teams like the Bills and the Browns and maybe even the Ravens started popping up as Super Bowl contenders. Um, but the Chiefs in the AFC Championship game against the second best team in the AFC all season long just dominated. It was never really that close. It was 21 to 12 at halftime, and then the Chiefs shot out to even more of a lead. Tyreek Hill had 172 yards. Mahomes over 300, 
three touchdowns, no interceptions. Scott, I'm curious. You and I have both been Bills. Now I don't want to say fans, but we've been in believers in the Bills for for years now. Actually, when they when they signed Stephon Diggs, we both thought that they could be a, a real contender in the AFC. What does this loss mean for the Bills? Because they made the next step to get to the AFC Championship, but they really looked out of place. Uh, they could not compete with Mahomes. And I'm curious to, to hear what you think about maybe next year. Let's say they get back to this situation. There's a great chance they play the Chiefs again if they make it to the AFC Championship. Uh, as someone as someone who's been watching the Bills all year long, they were kind of my heavy favorite going through the year to be my dark horse. Um, I think it's really the running back position. If you take away Josh Allen, they had 11 carries for 41 yards. Josh Allen himself had seven carries for 88 yards. He's actually the leading rusher in this game. I think that that's kind of a significant value when you look at these teams. Um, I think it's that they really need that workhorse back because there was a fourth and one and they had to throw it to Dawson Knox. Now it worked, but when you play against teams that have maybe better corners, that's not going to work. So I think it's really maybe even trading up for Najee Harris and saying this is a win now team. I mean, Josh Allen is currently 24. Stefan Diggs is 27. They have a very young core. So I think that they still, I think they have about a three-year gap that really. Well, I mean, in my opinion, Josh Allen, you're right. He is a little bit more of like a a rugged quarterback. He's probably not going to have as long of a career as Tom Brady, but he's still got at least 10 years. And as long as you have him, I know Stephon Diggs is great, but we've seen wide receivers come and go for teams. But as long as you've got that quarterback, and then also I'm this Tom connection Herman. between Diggs and this connection between Diggs and um and Allen, Josh Allen and Cole Beasley, I think that's going to be about a three-year stunt. Right. I think maybe one year they're finally breakthrough. I mean, Stephon Diggs is here at 166 targets. That's unheard of. I'm just curious um, to see. I was thinking after this game, like, what does this really mean for Josh Allen in terms of he last year, he first year, they look, he looked awful, barely over 50% completion percentage. Then in the second year, he got to a 16 0 lead in the wild card and, and blew that lead. So, um, so people were questioning whether he can win in the playoffs Then he wins in the playoffs, gets to the bigger stage. And then he gets knocked off again, looks kind of out of place, 28 of 48, two touchdowns, one interception. It wasn't awful. Like you're saying, the running game, if maybe he had that, – that's my big question. Is it really the running game, or is Josh Allen still not quite there yet? Because you can put up all the stats you want in the fourth quarter, but in reality, uh, aside from the end of the game, really, this this Bills offense was pretty stagnant. Remember, their only touchdown that was early in the game came until the fourth quarter. Their only touchdown was um, was because – Nico Harmon fumbled a punt at the one yard line. So they had really no offense the entire way. And I'm just curious. I'm, I'm really, uh, I thought that Josh Allen would make this a close game because I thought he really had taken the next step. And I'm just not sure if that's true. I think he has, I mean, through the regular season, he had a 69.2% completion percentage. And obviously as we know, 50 total touchdowns and in the postseason, he played two great defenses in the Colts, the Ravens, and I think you could even throw the Chiefs in there. I think they're one of those Underrated, yeah. that, that doesn't get enough because of how good their offense is. But he completed 65% of his passes in the postseason, and he had five touchdowns, and he only had the one interception, which I don't even know if you could put on him because it went off John Brown's hands. So obviously there is still room for improvement, 
but I think it's going to become more on his deep ball accuracy. I think that's the one thing that he still has left to improve because he's gotten really good at those quick throws. I think that's kind of where all quarterbacks start with the, with the famous slant play as we have seen work in new Orleans for the past 10 years. Um, So I'm interested to see where this team goes. I think it's the run game. I mean, through the playoffs, if you exclude Josh Allen, their best runner was Devin Singletary, who had a total of 63 yards through three games. And yeah, maybe uh, I'm, I, I might be like, might be a little bit harsh on Josh Allen. He is only 24, like you said. But I mean, and and, and I mean, they they played they played Patrick Mahomes and Tyree. That's what I'm Hill. saying. Like they're not. You don't just get freebies in the AFC Championship. You're gonna. No, have- I, yes, I don't. I don't think that they're at the level yet where they can fully dominate but i do think i mean when they played the regular season they lost by three points let's just say the elephant in the room is that mahomes is 25 the bills and all the other and the ravens with lamar jackson harry kill is 26 right but the the quarterback is the is the important i know you like everyone can love their wide receivers and they're flashy and they're great it's the quarterback but i definitely think that but i'm just saying mahomes and andy Reid are going to be here for 15 years in the afc so that means for Guys like Joe Burrow, Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen, even maybe even Tua, Deshaun Watson, Trevor Lawrence coming in. You've got Justin Herbert. All those guys, are they going to be able to take that next step? Because you can say Josh Allen's only 24. Mahomes is only 25, and he's getting better. So I'm just not sure that the standard right now is the Chiefs. And if you can't get to that standard, you're not going to make it to the Super Bowl. And um, we saw it for years with Tom Brady. Yeah, I think it's going to be kind of like what we used to see with Tom Brady and Big Ben was the quarterback that was always around where he was able to get to those games but could not get over the Tom Brady hump. I think that's right. kind of And weird. I think that might be how Josh – what defines Josh Allen's career. Maybe can you get over it once or twice like Big Ben did or Peyton Manning did and get to the big game and win it. I don't, I don't see Josh Allen – because let's be honest. Before this game, people, you even asked me on, on our show before the game, do you think Josh, people will be saying Josh Allen is better than Mahomes if, if, if they win. the Bills win the game? And I said no. And looking past this now, it seems like almost like a joke of a question. And I, and I seriously considered it, but it, I don't think anyone even comes close to the Chiefs right now. And that's, that's the scary thing. Um, and we'll see what that means for the rest of the AFC because there's a lot of great young quarterbacks. Maybe I some am of them- interested to know if you switch the two quarterbacks so josh allen was on the chiefs would you still have the chiefs winning that game or because you you asked me this during the game and i i think i think the chiefs would win either way and that's not that's not saying that i think mahomes doesn't matter and mahomes isn't better but i mean he's have the best travis kelsey is the best tight end we've seen and i mean who else is there gronk Tony I think Gonzalez. you could throw Gronk, Tony Gonzalez, Shannon Sharp, maybe like who, uh, maybe George Kittle I, now. Uh, but I think Travis Kelsey's kind of taken that full conversation. I mean, he almost was the leading receiver this year, which is absurd to think about. Um, you have Tyree Kill, you have Andy Reid, you have a, a, a decent defense. I think the Chiefs win either way. And Josh Allen has also got a big arm, but that's, but well, let's be honest, Josh Allen isn't on the Chiefs, and Mahomes is. He's got a great coach, and he's fortunate to be there, but I just don't see anyone stopping him. Another thing I wanted to bring up from that game really quickly 
it's just kind of a story that no one's really talking about, which is Miko Harmon. Like I mentioned, he, he, he had that fumbled muff punt. And Scott, I don't know if you noticed this, but on the possession after, after he muffed the punt, they got the ball to him on a jet sweep. He had a 50 and yard he got run. Like a, yeah, a 50 yard run. And then they got him uh, on a, you know, a one yard easy bubble screen touchdown. And that's just kind of the chief's mantra the, these days. That's how they're any, when a player gets, um, has a, uh, kind of has a bad play or a bad game or a bad half, they always look to try to get their confidence back up. I thought that was very interesting to see Andy Reid because he knows how talented all his players are. He has that luxury. Okay, Michael Harmon fumbles once. Well, he still runs like a 4-2. So let's get him a couple of plays, get his confidence back up. Um, Mahomes in the Super Bowl last year. It's third and 17 that Andy Reid has lets him rip it to Tyree Kill. And um, they get a first down and they end up winning the Super Bowl. That's just something that the, the Chiefs do that's very smart, in my opinion. Um, so, yeah, any last words on that game? I mean, yeah, I, ha- I mean, I have to agree with you on that. The Chiefs just have an insane amount of speed. I mean, we saw it on Tyreek Hill's catch for 71 yards, which was a slant play. And then he just went to the opposite of the field. No one could catch him. And so Tredavious right, finally ran him down. Um, I-, I think that the Chiefs really – are the team, as you said, are the team to be for the next 10 years. I'm only interested to see. I think there's a chance they get better. I truly think there's a way that they could maybe yeah. sign free agents and still get better. That's the scary part. But the thing is, now they're paying Mahomes $50 million a year. Thank God for cap space. Because imagine if this was baseball and you just get like, you can get all the guys you want. Think about all our free agents that would want to go um, former super team with Mahomes. Okay, Scott. Before we get into our early discussions of the Super Bowl, you wanted to bring up um, a point about some wide receiver talk in the NFL. Yeah, so obviously this weekend was jam-packed with a lot of good quarterbacks in their special connection with their receivers, to name a few, Devontae Adams, Stefan Diggs, Mike Evans, Tyreek Hill. Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, Chris Godwin are the kind of main ones, and as of today, Tuesday, January 26th, DK Metcalf and Justin Jefferson came out with their list. And I want to read these to you. And I want to I want to hear what you think. Now, obviously, every player thinks they're the best receiver in the NFL. You have to have that motto. Otherwise, you're not going to succeed. So DK said Julio's number one. DK himself is number two. Three is DeAndre Hopkins. Fourth is Devontae Adams. And fifth is Stefan Diggs for DK Metcalf. Justin Jefferson said Julio's number one, which is interesting that they both put number one Julio because no fans ever put Julio. I, so I feel like I it's one of those. He is probably, I, I, I'm not going to, that's not who's at the top of my list either, but I think he's got to be number one. I mean, he he's just, for other wide receivers, they're like, wow, he's 6'5", the fastest player on the field, and he's got the best hand. He's Many wide receivers say he's the best hands in the NFL too. So, yeah, but, I mean, he's 6'3", who had an, he had a 4.3940 yard dash. That's insane. He's absurd. So, number two for Justin Jefferson was Devontae Adams. He put himself third, fourth DK Metcalf, and then fifth DeAndre Hopkins. So, we left out Stefan Diggs, who was the leader in receptions target. Did, did Justin Jefferson put himself, you said? Yeah, third. Okay. Well, that's a little bit. All right. Well, um, <laughs> The thing, okay, the only reason why I understand what DK is saying is imagine like looking down at yourself and you're 6'4, you run a 4'3, you were seventh in receiving yards, you had 10 touchdowns. 
and you are yourself, of course, you're gonna be biased and then not putting yourself top five. Like he's just a freak of nature. I don't, but Justin Jefferson, he's still a rookie. I don't know. I feel like I, I would like to think if I was a wide receiver, I wouldn't put myself at everywhere I should be, but I don't know. So now I want to hear, this is Gabe Gottesman's top five receivers. On the I'm G- actually going to put DeAndre Hopkins number one. And I think that's controversial, but it wasn't last year. And I, he still had 1,400 yards. He was third in the league um, in receiving yards. He was second in the league in receptions. I mean, he had an incredible season. Kyler Murray in his first year, still trying to get kind of their connection going. So, um, so obviously uh, it's very, it could still improve. And he's obviously had that Hail Mary catch. We saw how talented he is. He's got huge hands, huge wingspan. So I have him as my number one, the guy I would want on my team the most. Number two, I would probably put Julio Jones. Oh, well, he's getting a little old. You know what? I'll put him number three. I'd say my number two receiver is Devontae Adams. He had a freak year, of course, 18 touchdowns, 115 receptions, over 1,300 yards. So with his output and then his route running ability, I put him two. And then Julio, three, he's been injured. He's getting a little bit older. And then my four, five, and six are all pretty close in my opinion. So I've got – I'll put – wow, this is really tough. I'm going to put – Stephon Diggs four. Uh, he had the most receptions and yards in the NFL. He's a great route runner, route the great route runner, and he's got great speed. The thing is, I'm gonna put Tyreek Hill fifth, just because I don't think he'd be that great if he wasn't with Mahomes. But he's the fastest guy in the league, and um, he just brings a lot to that team. I think he's definitely underrated, like you said. Without him, I'm not sure um, that Mahomes would have the success he does have. Um, so he's going to be my number five guy. Number six. Well, I'm curious to see what your top five is because I feel like Michael Thomas is missing from a lot of lists, but he was injured, um, this year, but he had the most receptions of all time just a year ago. So it's weird to have him not in the top five. And then also guys like, um, I don't know if you can include Travis Kelsey. I don't know if that counts people like, um, Allen Robinson's underrated, um, Terry McLaurin and DK are both underrated, obviously. Um, and then if Mike Evans was a Super Bowl, I think that you have to kind of include him in that conversation. So those are my top five, though, is five Tyreek Hill, four Diggs, three Julio Jones, two Devontae Adams, and one Hopkins. I think for me, I think I have to go number one, Devontae Adams. I mean, he had 18 touchdowns in the regular season while not even playing in some of the games. He's only 28-2, and he's had 62 total career touchdowns and has 6,568 yards. That's, yeah. that's an insane stat. Um, number two, currently, I think this is kind of where I break out from the normal pack. I would put Stefan Diggs. Oh, I think course. here's why. Here's why. I think unlike – I think he's not as good as a route runner as Devo- uh, Devontae Adams, obviously, but I do think he does have the better – deep threat i think because that's what he really was when he was in with the vikings um he ran a 4.46 40 which isn't really the fastest time but i think he's definitely improved um and he's willing to go up for the deep balls number three i have julio obviously had a down year this year he didn't even finish top 20 in receiving yards but he was injured for the majority of the year he's 31 
but throughout his career, he's had 12,896 yards and 130. And he's just a games. beast, too. Yeah. Like, um, and I think really he's kind of been the heart of that Falcons organization for a long time. Fourth, I have DeAndre Hopkins. I think, kind of as you said, he's not the fastest receiver, but he's probably the most skilled receiver in terms of hands. I think, I mean, the Hammer, the Hail Murray says it all. When the you fail Murray, if I, it kind of was a fail with the play breaking down, but it ended up working. And it was uh, a fail afterwards because they they couldn't even make the playoffs. But that's true. Um, I mean, he finished third in receiving. And I just think when you're able to catch it over three guys, I think you have to put recognition on that. And then my fifth one, this is an interesting one. I was thinking about Travis Kelsey, but I think I have to go with Tyreek Hill. I think our lists are very close. Um, I think what it really comes down to is the speed. When you have a receiver that can turn a two-yard catch into an 80-yard gain, more than one that just a couple days ago yeah i mean his he has insane speed his 40 time was 4.29 seconds and he was top 10 in receiving yards but i think right on the outside the ones i was kind of close to i think i could throw calvin ridley in there he finished fifth in receiving yards he had nine touchdowns on the year at the beginning of the year he actually looked like the best receiver at a time um yeah and I think fantasy wise, especially, I think there, I think we could see Julio getting traded this off season and they kind of start to build around Calvin Ridley, who's with, with maybe a new quarterback too. Yeah. And then it's Calvin Ridley is a young player too. Yeah. There's a lot of great receivers. I mean, of course, if they get a new quarterback, it'd be interesting to see um, how he develops. Cause you're right. He's kind of underrated. So I think Justin Jefferson can be in there next year. I just, we haven't seen enough of him to where I can fully. And he was also a number two guy the entire year because of Adam. He, he was fourth in receiving yards. So he's still great. Yeah. He's definitely probably top 10. So um, speaking of this segues perfectly into um, these, we're talking about a lot of great receivers. Of course, Tyreek Hill is up there. Uh, Travis Kelsey, you might include in there, even though he's a tight end, Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, Antonio Brown. I might even throw in Scotty Miller, Scott. I might be just that outrageous. But there's a lot of great wide receivers in the Super Bowl matchup between the Chiefs and Buccaneers. Maybe the two best receiving cores in the NFL when you really think about it. So um, let's just discuss the Super Bowl, kind of our initial thoughts, because it's still a lot to digest. We still got a lot of time left before the Super Bowl. Um, There'll be a lot of stories that break down see who will get healthy before um, there's going to be some offensive linemen that are injured. Um, both left tackle, Eric Fisher and Mitchell Schwartz are out for the chiefs for uh, super bowl 55. That's going to be a huge story with the pass rush of the Buccaneers. Um, that could be a huge factor and who wins that game. We're not going to give our predictions yet, but Scott, I just wanted to talk, kind of talk about um, the legacy of this game, what it could mean. Um, I'm not sure if I talked with you about this earlier, but think about 50 years down the road what this Super Bowl could mean right now in two weeks. If if everyone's right about Mahomes being the guy that can challenge Tom Brady, now unequivocally the best quarterback of all time, the best player of all time, making his 10th Super Bowl, no one could argue that. If Patrick Mahomes goes in and wins this, he wins two in a row, He um, he's on his way to who knows how many more. 
And if they both win six championships by the end of their career, they could look at this Super Bowl um, as kind of the game that decided who was the greatest of all time. It's their head-to-head matchup. Obviously, it's not fair. Brady's 43, Mahomes is 25. But at the same time, in this head-to-head matchup, this is a really um, intriguing um, game in terms of this could really determine who's the greatest player of NFL history just in this game alone. Yeah, I definitely think it's interesting. I mean, just to list some of Brady's accolades, he's won three league MVP awards, six Super Bowls, four Super Bowl MVPs, 14-time Pro Bowler, and he's also led the NFL twice in passing here. So he definitely has all the statistics there, and he's leading the NFL in touchdowns because him and Drew Brees have gone back and forth on that. But I think now he already has a lead, and I think Drew Brees is retiring, um, which is kind of weird to say. It's the end of an era, but it's true. Um, but I, I do agree with you because this is really a two-point swing is kind of how I'm looking at it. See, they're going to be 2-6, and we're going to see – Patrick Mahomes with another Super Bowl MVP or it's going to be 7-1 and we kind of see Brady break out but I do agree with you on the point that really if it comes down to six versus seven which is something which is really weird because in other sports obviously Michael Jordan versus LeBron it's kind of that debate of the NFL but we never got to see a Michael Jordan LeBron final it just didn't happen so this is this is one of those Super Bowls you just got to watch every single moment of it. So right. The, this is definitely so the I first Geico commercial to the last, to the last field goal, the uh, last progressive turning in into your parents' <laughs> ad. That's, but okay, here's what I'll say about it. Um, let's just go. So we had Mahomes versus Jimmy Garoppolo. Like, okay, Jimmy Garoppolo. Then we had Brady versus Jared Goff. Okay, Jared Goff. Then we had Brady versus um, Nick Foles. Okay. Then we had one though. Nick Foles won, but I'm just saying, like, what has there been a quarterback matchup really like this ever in in terms of just historically um, how good these guys are going to be? I mean, I know we're saying Mahomes. Can can people stop saying, oh, you can't say this about Mahomes yet? We don't even know. He's already won a Super Bowl. He's already won an MVP. He's already thrown 50 touchdowns. He's going to be one of the all time greats. And that's not even um, a doubt. He's going to make many Super Bowls. He's going to win a lot. So I think we can pretty much just assume that. I think the last matchup you could maybe go to is I would probably say the Broncos Panthers one. That's what I was going to say, but I would say now, now I, I mean say, at the time maybe I would say maybe that or when the Falcons played the Patriots. Because keep in mind, Matty Ice was on fire that year. He, he, was, was, a, he was an MVP. That's yeah. true. But I mean, let's compare that to now. Mahomes versus Tom Brady. I don't think yes, Matt I, Ryan. I think no this offense is- to Matt Ryan, but that's not even close. I would say maybe like I'm just gonna go through some past Super Bowls, but I don't really think that there's anyone that's really come close to um, how these could be the two greatest quarterbacks of all time facing each other in a Super Bowl. This is like if Michael. You're right. If Michael Jordan when he in 2000, I don't even know if he was playing in 2003, but if he made um, this the NBA Finals and played against LeBron as a rookie, that's what it would be like. So, I mean, we've got very excited. I mean, maybe when Russell Wilson played Tom Brady, um, that you could argue that um, was, or when Ben Roethlisberger played Aaron Rodgers, or when Peyton Manning played Drew Brees. I mean, but none of those, I guess Drew Brees, Peyton Manning is probably the closest one. That was 2010, 11 years ago. But I still think Mahomes and Brady is better. This could be the greatest um, quarterback matchup we've had in total history. 
I do think the interesting thing about this game is really if you pick wrong, you're going to say, why didn't I trust my gut? Exactly. I'm either going to have to follow. It's not, you're not really picking against a quarterback. You're picking for a quarterback. You're either picking for Brady or you're picking for Mahomes. If you pick Mahomes, you're going to be like, how could I bet against Tom Brady in the Super Bowl? But then if you pick Brady, you're like, Mahomes is unstoppable. He's lost two games in the last two calendar years. So I do think. I think the Chiefs early on kind of have the edge. I mean, even when they had Alex Smith in the 2016 and 2017, they lost in the divisional round in the wild card. So they already were a playoff team, and then they just brought in Mahomes. And so I do think this is this is going to be really the passing of the torch. Okay. So, I mean, I'm not going to give my prediction yet, but I the Chiefs are a hey, three-point favorite. It, it's the passing of the torch game. I'm not saying that it could happen. Or this is Tom Brady holding on to the torch for a couple of years longer. I, I don't know if Brady wins the Super Bowl this year, and even if he doesn't, um, even if they lose in the playoffs next year, I'm, I'm curious to see if he'll re-sign because what, he'll be like 45 at that point. I don't know um, if he has any more left in the tank, but I think if he loses, if he loses the Super Bowl, that would be pretty heartbreaking. Um, I think he does. He's won as many NFC championships as – Aaron Rodgers and as many NFC championships as Drew Brees. What if he just plays until he's like 60? That would be, he's, he's just, I think he'll be, you know, it's funny about Tom Brady. He, if he retires today, he'll be the greatest coach in the league right away. I mean, he just knows so much about football. Um, and then if he becomes a commentator, he'll be, he'll be incredible at that. He's just like, he's just the goat. That's all we can say. We got, we got to be, we got to be appreciative. That's kind of the main topic that I was trying to introduce is this is the two the greatest quarterback matchup we've ever had in Super Bowl this could be the Super Bowl that determines who's the greatest player of all time so let's just enjoy it we're along for the ride we've got three more shows maybe we'll do an extra one before um, Super Bowl 55 so thank you everyone so much for listening we'll be back on Friday afternoon at five o'clock to kind of continue our discussion of the Super Bowl matchup between the Buccaneers and the Chiefs so thank you everyone so much for listening and we'll see you next time